everyone, and welcome to episode 275 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Well, almost the full crew here this week, starting off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Doing well. How are you doing? I am doing wonderfully. We got some exciting stuff to talk about this week. But before we get into that, we also have another co-host who is mostly here. I think Krim's here minus his voice, sort of. Uh, Krim, how are, how are you holding up today? <coughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, My voice sounds like I, I'm hitting puberty. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's it finally happened, guys. The beard's coming in. Finally, the beard's coming. Yep, in. the beard's coming in. I'm catching up, and uh, yeah, so it's cutting in and out, but it's fine because you know I'm I'm hit, I've hit puberty, so you know at 31, so that's how it goes down. Oh, finally, 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 finally. Made it. <laughs> anyway, as far as our topics for today, we really got two big ones. We got new Capenna spoilers, uh, which we got a sneak peek of over the last week, really a little slow drip and then a stream from Wizard. So we got some interesting stuff to talk about there. A couple other new card bits of news, judge promos, uh, weird April Fool's secret layer drop. And then we got a big organized play announcement. So those are our big topics, spoilers, organized play, and then, of course, answering your fish mail questions before. Before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection and their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for quite a while now. And as long as your cards have a retail value of $2 or more, you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip over all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship them out and you'll even get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you can even get another ten percent off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtg goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thanks so much to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some new magic cards let's kick things off with new capenna spoilers we don't have a ton of cards yet we got three mythics and most of a cycle of charms but the cards we do have are pretty interesting so richard why don't you take it away and guide us through some spoilers all right new capenna spoilers first up Jetmere Nexus of Revels, one red, green, and a white. So four mana value, five, four, legendary creature, cat demon at mythic. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and have vigilance as long as you control three or more creatures. Uh, creatures you control also get plus one, plus zero, and have trample if you control six or more creatures. And if you have uh, nine or more creatures, plus one, plus zero, and double strike. Card sweet. Well, I mean, that complicated. The last month's so weird. Vigilance, but yeah, trample, I mean, double strike, and then plus one, plus zero for each three, six, and nine creature milestone you have, uh, including yourself. Yeah, and including itself. Right. So you need Jetmir and two other creatures to hit the first mode and so forth. Uh, I mean, so if you get maximum power and you have nine creatures, your entire team's getting plus three, plus zero, vigilance, trample, double strike. That probably just wins the game. Plus, Jetmir herself is going to be, what, an 8-4 double striker trampler? Like, that's pretty legit. On the same, at the same time, though, that's a lot of creatures. Like, getting nine creatures on the battlefield, especially in, like, 60-card formats, 
Seems like it might be a little tricky. The thing I like, though, about Jatmir is even if you don't ever get to nine creatures, it seems fine. I mean, four mana, four or five reasonable stats. It seems pretty easy to hit that first mode right away. If you're playing just some sort of Naya creature deck, this should come down and immediately give the plus one, plus zero and vigilance most of the time. And then getting to six doesn't seem that hard. And then when you're getting plus two, plus zero and trample, even that seems like enough for this to be worth considering. So I think this card's got a shot. We've seen like Halan and Elena partners show up in some standard decks, even in the splash. Like there's some white weenie decks that are essentially just playing Halan and Elena is their only rule card. I feel like this could do something pretty simple, uh, similar in a, in a deck like that. If you're playing some sort of creature heavy deck, this seems reasonable to me. I don't think it's busted, but I think it's got a shot. I don't know. What do you guys think about standard or other 60 card formats? Anyway, this is playable. I, I actually think this is like kind of good. Uh, just because like, if you think about it right now, there's like, <clears throat> there's a uh, vigilance, right? And I think that's pretty major because if one of the most popular planeswalkers is of course the wandering emperor, uh, and her mm -hmm. minus ability does check to see if, you know, like would love it if your creatures tapped. So, uh, jet mirror will allow it to then get, you know, vigilance and that's pretty solid. And I, and, and I, and I think that the, the trample and all of that is, isn't hard to do just because it, there's a lot. Uh, I have to imagine there's going to be something new that's like kind of like, uh, token, token generating, but it seems like it's pretty good and like, I don't know. I, I think I like this in Commander probably a lot more than I do Standard, but I think it could see a home in Standard. I don't know about this. I'm. It could be good, but can you really get like five other creatures in Standard and be in good shape and somehow have not won the game already? Like you like. Yes. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> and then there it is some like more a little concerns. mini overrun, right? Like it, you, right. you get a plus two, plus zero trample. It could work. I don't know. Well. I don't know. It's a lot. It's, it's also three colors. I, I can see the upside I mean, to it. I can see the upside the, to it. But also, the three it colors also dies to do good. <laughs> it, it does. It, wait, wait, wait. Uh, it it does not die to Doomblade because Doomblade of this format is Vanishing Verse. <laughs> I mean, okay, so. Uh, you're, you are right. It does dodge Vanishing Verse and it does hopefully dodge Wandering Emperor, which is really big, actually. Like, that's pretty important. The thing that I think it's missing, though, is we don't really have a instant speed just make a bunch of tokens because where I think this card's most exciting is in Commander. In Commander, but we do. it seems really, really easy to play this and just like on your, or not play this, to have it in the command zone and then on your opponent's end step, just cast a Secure the Waste or something, a White Sun Zenith and just make a ton of tokens and then play this, immediately have enough creatures to hit all three modes and just like one shot someone. Can we do that in Standard? Is there any way to actually do that in Standard? Wait. We do have instant ways to like make tokens though. Do how do we how do we make the most tokens in standard? I know we can like we can make a couple of tokens, but is there a way we can just like dump all of our mana into something and make a ton of tokens and then untap play this win? <laughs> uh, what, uh, what is it? Uh, I Gonjo Uprising. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I. Well, it is sorcery speed, but that would technically, that does make a lot of tokens. That's true. Uh, it also gives your opponent a bunch of tokens. Right, but, right, but you're, okay, yours, okay, yours I like better. Um, <laughs> and then you have, uh, cab Cabaretti Charm, which, Ooh, cab cab is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, Cabaretti That's, Charm. Yeah, 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 you're okay. good. 
that's another new one that we haven't we talked haven't about talked yet about but it. that is more instant speed token production and it does work really well with this yeah okay. all right yeah i'll, I'll take it, it back curves. i think this card is is good because you okay look you get the chariot okay yeah the chariot mm-hmm. <laughs> is three bodies and if it attacks it's four you just need one more body and then your your guy and you're on so like <sighs> so cabaret charm <laughs> Look at that. They're both it's, it's all there. They're, it's all there. <laughs> the only the only problem I see with Cherry is they're both four drops. So you're gonna have a pretty overloaded four drop slot, maybe playing both of them, but maybe that doesn't matter. And there is like the, uh, we've been talking about the pieces of a token deck for a while. We do have the random like battle for Burdegard saga that makes tokens that's mm-hmm. in Celestia. We got the join the dance flashback human two human tokens for two mana. So the pieces are there to make some sort of Naya token deck if you want to. How good it'll be. I don't know, but uh, that would be a deck that could theoretically get up to nine creatures and not have already killed the opponent because you're mostly going to be making one one. So plus it's a five, four for five. Like it's it's not like it has some super five, underpowered uh, five, stats. Five, four for four or five, four, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even better than what I said. So it's not like it has some horrible stats where it's just like unplayable. It's it's a fine creature on its own. Plus cats. Cat tribal. <laughs> I'm going to definitely revisit cat tribal in like modern. How is this a cat? That's my question. It looks like a pig. Like, yeah, I thought it was something? a boar. Yeah. It does not look like a cat at all. That is that is a I think it's supposed to be a fat cat. Is that the is that the I, joke? Like I don't, fat cat. Okay, I, okay. I don't even know if they've ever seen a cat because like this is, this is like a, <laughs> This is not uh, looking like a fat cat. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. Like it does not look like a cat in any way. But maybe, maybe it is the joke that Seth is alluding to. Um, next up, Lord Xander the Collector, four blue, uh, black, red. Yeah. So seven mana value, Grixis, six six legendary <laughs> creature, vampire demon noble at mythic. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half their cards in their hand, rounded down. When it attacks, defending player mills half their library, round it down. When Lord Xander dies, target opponent sacrifices half of the non-land permanents they control, round it down. Yeah. This is... Yeah. This <laughs> Everything is Everything loves on one card. <laughs> it is... This is the grimmiest card I've ever seen. Like, especially in Commander. It... <laughs> It makes everyone want to kill you, but it doesn't actually do anything that powerful. It more just like is really obnoxious. This is like as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the epitome of Crim cards. Like exactly (laughs) everything that Crim could want in a magic card. Is it is it actually good in any way, though? Yes. Or is it just like annoying? Okay, it's so (laughs) sweet. Um, Wait, well, it is sweet. Okay, this is a card you could easily reanimate in standard. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of ways to reanimate right now. Like they, they've, we've just been like lacking a, uh, like a super solid target. Uh, and, and I think that this could be one of those solid targets and it's not hard to like get it, get it to like do some hasty things in commander. I, I, I think you can play this in commander. Uh, obviously you'll die first. Uh, but, but you know what? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's just classic play pattern for me anyways. So <laughs> I may as well just have the, coolest commander while i could before i die uh so like yeah like i I think this card is genuinely really really strong uh it it is it is a seven mana card um and it it is going to be a bit beefy but oftentimes i feel like it you know we have no short way like we're not short on ways to like reanimate it or cheat it into play so 
I think it's good in 60 and 100 card formats. I hate to be the person that says this because everyone loves this card, but I think this card's super bad. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of sweet. It's cool to cheat and play. I get that. Like, sneak attack it, reanimate it. That's kind of cool. But it feels like it's just worded so safely. Like, it rounds down instead of rounding up. So, I don't know. Milling your opponent is not necessarily a positive, unless you're an actual mill deck. But just, like, having your opponent dump half of their library, that is probably benefiting them in most matchups. I don't know. I feel they get to keep their best stuff. I'm skeptical of this card. Everyone seems really scared. There were some people are like wanting it banned in commander. Like they were that worried about this card's power level. I don't know. What what am I missing? What do you think, Richard? Power level? It's strong. It's just you don't want to be the person that loses half their hand, half their deck, and then half their permanence for no reason. And then... That's why you got to kill him first. It. So it's going to draw an insane amount of heat as your commander yeah. because no one wants to, no one can take the chance that they're the person that gets targeted with this. It's just very <laughs> annoying. I don't know that it's yeah. good because you know, you you lose half your library, so what? But I, I that's gaming. This that's where it's at. This is so good. This is so and sick. And then they're like they're like through the breach, you're like cools. <laughs> There are some sweet synergies, like uh, in standard Spirit Sisters calls, like super cute because you can reanimate it. And then yep. Yep. Uh, if you build around it, you can have it be a sack outlet. Or if you get into play naturally, you could sack it. seen trigger both things. It's a vampire. So it works with Soren, Imperius, Bloodlord. Like the vampire deck likes to have these big things to slam into play. And this is like one of the biggest vampires of all time or like perforo sneak attack, any of those synergies, you get the first trigger when it ETBs and then you get a sacrifice at end step. So you also get the death trigger. So I think there are uses for it, but ah, I feel like this is a card, especially in commander. Everyone's going to be scared of, even though it's not really powerful enough to defend itself, which is like the, I think the worst place to be in commander is where you play a commander that makes everyone want to kill you, but that commander like can't really back it up power level wise. <laughs> so you st- you get killed, but you don't really have a chance to like to stop yourself from getting killed. So I think that's kind of my concern with this card. Seth, Seth, Seth. <laughs> what you don't understand is that if you build the shell, right, like right, everything that comes before this card will will make it so that it won't be that big of a problem. You also have uh what's that card like n- n- is it Navin no it's like some kind of ne- nether altar or something like that. It's a what is it it's it, the it, artifact where you get to put your commander into your hand but you put a counter on it and then you lose life of uh, equal oh, to e- oh oh yeah, 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 yeah. Nether, it might be netherborn altar or something yeah, that like one. that. that, I, know, that one's it. I know what you mean. Yeah, that that's yep. the one. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, like there's there's lots of ways to like I I think in commander you can get around the the fact that it's seven mana. And then you also build a, like a hard like kind of control shell that makes it so that you have tons of other annoying cards that'll like kind of just delay your death. Which is <laughs> what which is like how I live, right? Like I live my life to delay death, right? That that's it. I don't need to win, I just need the to know cr- that I didn't die yet. <laughs> Crim, Crim's life philosophy coming through on the on the podcast. Yeah. Would, would it be overpowered if it was too 
if it hit everyone, would that make it too overpowered? Like, if, oh, especially in Commander. In 1v1 formats, yeah. it wouldn't make any difference. In Commander, if it happened to each opponent, I think I might be a little more excited. This Because it's just so enemy-making. You're going to have to choose one person, and then they're going to discard half their cards. And then you're going to be their enemy for the rest of the game. And discarding half of their cards is, like, not that big of a payoff. It's not like you totally wreck that person so they can't attack you or something. You're just kind of like, hey, discard a couple cards, and they're going to be like, all right, well, I guess we're enemies. Like, I'm coming at you. So I wish it hit everyone so you wouldn't draw as much heat from that one person. But then you can, you would truly be the collector, right? You can sit there and you can kind of play like the mob boss. You can muster up your, your worst godfather impersonation and then make deals, right? Like it's like you now have a problem with the Xander family. You know what I mean? And then, and, and then, wow. and that's, that's all you got to do. The, the voice kind of works for, uh, for godfather quotes. Oh, I yeah. Think, yeah actually, yeah. I, 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 this is a whole, this is a bit, you see, so I could, uh, get ready <laughs> for, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. really excited for Lord Xander. <laughs> Next up is Esper, Rafid, Scheming Seer, White, Blue, Black, 3 mana value, 1-4, Legendary Creature, Sphinx Demon, at Mythic, Flying, Ward 1. Whenever you attack, target attacking creature connives X, where X is the number of attacking creatures. Uh, connive is draw X cards, then discard X cards, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature for each non-land card discarded this way. The, this card this is, card so is good. like, but I, I think this card is super cracked. I think this card is like so good. Like in, in 60 card formats, I think this is absurd. Uh, I also like, it's also got ward one. Why? Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> this card is so good. So, yeah, uh, this is, I think, the the strongest of the three mythics that we're talking about today. It reminds me a little bit of, like, uh, of almost, like, Luminarch Aspirant, how you can just be playing some sort of curve-out aggro deck and just go one drop, two drop, play this, attack, immediately double loot, and potentially put two counters on the thing that's attacking. That's a really, really frightening start. Plus, you might want cards in your graveyard. If you're playing something that's reanimating or has flashback spells, whatever, graveyard synergies, this is a great way to fill your graveyard. Uh, this card just seems incredibly strong to me like the only concern i have for it is it's not like we really already have an esper shell in standard that you can just dump this into but i feel like this is strong enough to make my like blue white tempo deck go into esper like i think rafine is that good that i just want to have this in my deck so i don't know i think this card is oh so so pushed uh hold on we we, we shouldn't say that because then we might have uh <laughs> circle of loyalty <laughs> so I, I i take it back i uh i think the card is okay it might be good <laughs> I, I, i'm i'm sticking with busted i'll go down i'll go down on this ship rafine i think this card's really good what do, what do you think this one's busted. you know as the best card i think we see we've seen so far and in the set today i don't think they learned anything from luminarch aspirant you're like why is it permanently plus one you know you get the counters permanently right so it's really strong and you get like card selection while you're at this weird pump. Like if it just pumped, it'd be strong enough, but it's not just pumping, right? It's permanent and it's card selection and it has flying in ward one for some reason. Uh, so it is really strong. I am not sure that they really want Esper tempo to be a thing. Esper aggro. Uh yeah, I, I'm. Esper I'm multicolor matters. I don't know. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see this at the center of many decks. I think. 
and I think this has a shot outside of standard too. Like, uh, maybe the the Hero of Precinct one decks could come back. Remember the old Esper Hero decks? Yeah. Like, this seems super sweet with something like Esper Hero and Historic or in Pioneer. There's multicolor matter stuff, and in Commander. I didn't realize this, but did you know Verena Lich Queen is like one of the five most popular Esper commanders? And this is essentially the same thing as Verena, except it's less mana and you don't have to be zombies to make it work. You get that same ability that Verena has, but you can play any tribe you want. So I think this is going to be really popular in commander, too. So to me, this feels like a, a cross format all star style of card. I, I love this card. I- I actually think I might even try this in just straight up control. Huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not, I'm not even joking. I like, like as a, a threat, like this comes down, this is a one for flying ward one, right? So it's pretty, pretty sturdy of a body. And I mean, like maybe I'm thinking a little bit too old, uh, old school where you would like sideboard in like a creature or something like that. But I, I, I think for two. And then three, that, and then four. I, I, are you kidding me? That's absurd for a control deck. I'm Is used to the just best like we two. Can do as like a sneaky control, like Geisa State Trath pivot. Like I mean, a one four. Well, the way control looks now, though, if you think about it, you have Wandering Emperor, you have Loth, you have like Sorens, right? So Esper, Kaido. Yeah, you have Kaido, right? So these are all cards that produce bodies. Okay. Yeah. I so I and that. then you got Flash. And you got like memory deluge. You have stuff that you don't mind discarding because you can cast it from the graveyard for value. Exactly. So you have some like free looting stuff. The uh, So I feel like that actually isn't as crazy as it sounds. Although I think it will be probably at its best in a deck that has a lot of creatures. Something like the White Weenie deck, but splashing into, into Esper. Like, I think that might be its best home. But I think you're right that it could maybe even show up in control. The other thing that's really interesting about this card to me, or not this card, but it's really the mechanic. Uh, Wizards confirmed that there's going to be mono white cards with the connive mechanic, which if those cards are anywhere even slightly playable are probably going to be just like commander all stars like that mechanic on a mono white card. It might be like the best version of white card draw that we've seen or close to the best version of white card draw that we've seen. So what do you what do you think about that, Richard? Like, could a mono white version of this like be a huge deal for commander? How's that card draw? It's faithless. Ah. Leading. <laughs> like What? Oh. Uh. Yeah, I guess it's I, I just mean, leading, yes, but if you um, land tax is card draw. But I don't know. I'm not. We have play, plenty of good white card draw. I'm not terribly excited about that. <laughs> it, it is. You, a, you play your guitar. You play your guitar over Bounce it back to your hand. Discard it to this. That's that's essentially card draw. You're getting rid of. Why don't I just play the card again? Getting put it in my deck, so <laughs> it could be a top deck at any moment. I should be ready to play. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's fair. Well, I think this card's going to be super legit, even if the maybe the mechanic's not as exciting as I thought. That is that is a good point. Well, you can actually draw some cards now. All right. So those are the three mythic legendaries. And we have some charms to to speak of. Uh, let's start off with the Naya charm, Cabaretti charm, red, green, white. Instant at uncommon, choose one, deal damage equal to the number of creatures you control, the target creature or planeswalker, creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample until end of turn, or create two one one green and white citizen creature tokens. Mm, Oh, It's it's basically Jetmir's ability. Right, plus one, plus one. It's sweet with Jetmere. I, I, I think it's sweet people, with Jetmere for sure. People are like taking a dump on this card too hard. I think this card's actually not bad. I think this card's not bad at all. 
it's it's which, not which it, i mean all of them are actually like viable right like i i, I think they're not that bad um th- this is a a solid charm because it offers the same like you know the the <clears throat> the flexibility uh and and stuff like that so i i i i know that it's not powerful it's not going to be like super cracked or anything like that but or it doesn't look super flashy but it, it getting the two one ones uh you know and creature the the pump is obviously nice the additional removal like i mean remember every time a charm has been revealed i feel like most of the time people take a crap on it anyways like in the cons era a lot of them were like oh like is jeskai charm even playable like it's probably pretty bad and and it's like dude that became a centerpiece of like you know jeskai so i i I don't know I, i i think that as long as the card has the the flexibility it's gotta at least be passable it's got to have some amount of play somewhere and i haven't fully seen naya yet but i have to believe that this charm will be somewhat good and again at the very least yo two one ones uh in these colors where as you're seeing more things care about like like bodies and whatnot so i, I think this is actually passable i don't think ready charm is bad but so far we've gotten four charms from new capenna and I think that I would rank this as the least powerful of the four that we've seen so far. I do agree with Krim that people tend to underrate charms because there is a lot of value and flexibility. And when you look at charms, uh, historically, a lot of times any individual mode is going to be a little bit overcosted, but it makes up for it because it does so many things. Uh, and I think Capretti Charm does do that as well. But really, none of the modes super excite me. They're all fine and they all have uses, but it doesn't have one a uh, premier mode that's like, okay, I'm playing this because it does this. And then the other modes are like kind of incidental upside. I don't really see that on Kabetti Charm. So if I'm playing some sort of Naya creature deck, I think it's in the conversation. I mean, removal creatures, a little mini overrun. Those are all nice things, but you really got to be a, some sort of creature heavy Naya deck. I think for this to even be in the conversation. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's fine, but I do think it's the least powerful of the charms we've seen. I agree with that. I think it sucks, but <laughs> like Naya go wide, legit, right? Like you know, if, if you're building that yeah. jet mirror deck, that this card is really good in that deck. But generically in a Naya deck, I don't think any of these modes are worth it or do anything useful. And they all kind of do the same thing, which is like make a wide board and do something with the wide board. So if that's your deck, I think this has considerations. But if it's not your deck, then I don't think it has like kind of the flexibility that we're used to in other charms where you just put in any deck and it does something i don't think that's this card yeah even the removal mode you gotta have a lot of creatures yeah so i think you're right it just doesn't go in that many decks maestro's charm blue black Ah! red (laughs) grixis instant uncommon choose one look at the top five cards of your library put one of those in your hand the rest in your graveyard each opponent loses three life and you gain three life deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker This this card Go is ahead, this card is <laughs> perfect for for what I expect from my Grixis charm starters. It's not Grixis charm. Grixis charm is really bad. Um, and but Maestro's charm actually th- this one kind of got a lot of a uh, lot of heat too. But again, just kind of showing you that I think a lot of people are underrating how how good charms are. So uh, I I think I think yeah, dealing five to a creature or planeswalker obviously nice. Um, you know, Grixis hasn't really been known for life gain, so you kind of just know you could pants them uh, from that that front where if you just burn them down fast enough. But 
This gives you a chance to like lightning helix, right? Or I mean, like more so just drain. And then of course, you know, why not have forbidden alchemy or whatever? Like I, I think, I think this card is, is a solid charm. This card's great. This, this card is, I think this card's exactly what I want out of my charms. If you look at these modes, most of them aren't even overcosted. Like the five damage mode, Soul Seer is three mana. This costs three mana. The look at the top five cards of your library. You mentioned Forbidden Alchemy. That's three mana. This is three mana. The only one that's kind of overcosted is a life game mode, which I think is like legitimately the worst mode, but it's a way you can have some main deck life gain if you're playing like a control deck against an aggro deck, which is really beneficial i'm gonna say this is the the best pioneer charm that's where i'm mostly hyped about this card i think it's fine in standard but in pioneer i think this might be a legitimate all-star because five damage kills everything you care about it kills winota at instant speed it kills essentially all the threats in the format and then the like forbidden alchemy mode really really absurd in a format where treasure cruise and dig through time are legal this is like turn yep. three do this get my dig refill with dig refill with treasure cruise so i'm really really high on this one for uh for standard and in pioneer yeah fully uh i i think this is amazing in in those formats and then of course you know there's like i i think this if you're playing grixis in modern i think this could be like a miser right like a miser one to two of i i think this is okay in modern i'm not even joking like i i genuinely like this i i I lose to burn all the time And, and 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 like now grixis has a way to like gain life back the only thing I'll say in modern is there's a lot more competition. Once you get to modern, then you have like Colgan's commands in the conversation. So, uh, you have collective brutality that can gain life. So, so I'm not I, saying it's unplayable. I, I there. still play there's Esper Charms. Options. I haven't, I haven't retired my <laughs> oh, okay. Esper Charms. So okay. Okay. Naturally. It's crim playable. <laughs> yeah. It's crim. It's crim playable in modern for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't t- put away my Esper Charms. So obviously I still like charms. I, I think this is what a charm should be. I think it's like, pretty good like not none of the modes are like overbearing but like three really strong modes and then you get the flexibility of them and i think like crim said people are underrating the life gain mode um like you don't plan to use it but it is a way to burn out your opponent it is a way to stabilize and like not die and then most likely you'll probably use the removal and then when you don't have a use for removal you can fuel your graveyard and and dig so i actually think this is a really good charm maybe the best charm we'll see next up obscura charm the esper yeah. white blue black instant uncommon choose one return target multicolored permanent card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped counter target instant or sorcery spell destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less this is great this card is legitimately great uh i i think in standard, this goes right into my Esper control deck, right? I mean, being able to return Kaido is nice. Uh, obviously, that like that's pretty big, right? Because people already struggle enough to deal with with Kaido. And now, speaking of getting like them like struggling to deal with it, not only does this save a Kaido or bring it back, it also removes a Kaido. So I love that, and I also love the it's. Counter spells in, in in the the deck that I I'm playing like is kind of rare just because it's not that great right now. But having a, a, a counter spell attached to this kind of thing makes it so that I can play it in my main deck and also still have more counter magic. 
this, I think, has the single most powerful mode of any of the charms. I think the, the reanimation mode on this is really, really strong um, because it can hit any permanent. It has the mana value and multicolor restriction, say but it's it. not limited to just creatures. Say it, Seth. And then... Ah, oh, this is this is my favorite modern charm of the bunch because yeah. to fairy it gets back to fairy yeah. time raveler it gets back renin six it gets back kaido yep. when you're animating yep. a planeswalker with this a royal scions everyone kind of forgot about that that could also fit in there i don't think uh, it seems, plays that, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it could you could you could you could get it back sure, so i think that sure. that is that's what really makes this this charm for me is that reanimation mode the other two modes nice little bonuses uh definitely not worth three mana they're more like two mana effects but they are very flexible you play this because you want to reanimate to fairy or whatever and then you just get all this interaction as an upside so i think this card is also really really good do you think it's a mistake that you can reanimate planeswalkers so no, no notice that your creatures come in, or not creatures, but anything basically comes in tapped, meaning you can't use it for a turn, but planeswalkers don't care about being tapped. They can they can activate immediately. Like, do you, do you think they, like, miss something? Or are we meant to be returning to fairies with this? We're meant to be. Ah, it's the future. I think. As long as. I think that's the goal. Right? I mean, as long as every removal spell now, like, hits everything, as remo- like removal gets better, I think, you know, it's okay to be able to reanimate planeswalkers, right? Because now everything can kill a planeswalker. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fine with it. I don't think it's like too busted because there are downsides. Like if you're not reanimating a planeswalker, this isn't very good. Like we have Earth uh, and modern, even in historic, we have other like cheaper options. <laughs> like yeah. The, the, the downside is really actually good. very little, right? Also, this is going right into my Aminatu commander deck. Like this is perfect. Oh, that does seem really good with Aminatu oh, Commander. I, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of hoops. There's a lot of hoops. It's got to be there? multicolored. It's got to, well, it's got to be multicolored, mana value three or less. So I think it's really good, but I don't think I would play this unless I had something like Teferi or Kaido in my deck. Like if I don't have a Planeswalker that's cheap enough from and multicolored for me to reanimate, then I think this maybe isn't worth it. I don't know. Maybe I'm underrating it, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like if I have a Planeswalker that I can get back, all-star otherwise eh, and, i don't know and step you can bring back Rafine or raffin i don't Ooh. i don't know uh like that there's this is this is just really good i don't know i i i think the maestros and the obscura charm are like absolutely cracked i love them all right last charm Riveteer's charm jund black red green Ooh. instant uncommon Choose one target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker they control with highest mana value. Exile the top three cards of your library until your next end step. You may play those cards. Exile target player's graveyard. And the first mode is among creatures they control. So highest mana value among creatures they control. So question one, Richard, is this going in modern Jund? You got to let us know. I know that's what everyone everyone in the audience wants to know. Can it work in Modern Jund? Kind of sucks. You guys tell me. I haven't played Modern Jund in a while, but like, why would you play this? Like, it's so slow yeah. and dirtily. Yeah. Draw three <laughs> cards, but you can play Painful Truths if you really cared to do such a thing. And like three I, mana, really slow graveyard hate. I think this is It's like, probably too slow for Modern. It's it's kind of it's kind of uh, slow for modern, but I do think that the card is is actually like good and standard, good and standard. Oh yeah, 
standard i think this is the best charm yeah honestly like, this is my favorite standard if you read these modes soul shatter um, right you have a soul it's soul shatter. the first mode soul shatter soul shatter's three mana this is three mana no charm tax at all if you look at the card draw mode that's act on impulse with a little twist because you cast on your opponent's turn rather than on your turn but it's it's act on impulse that's a three mana card and then you get the tormod script or kaya's guile mode or junjar mode whatever you want to refer to the graveyard hate mode this card to me seems like a standard all-star. I like sure you gotta be in three colors, but this does everything that your deck wants in the standard. It gets rid of your opponent's best thing, you get the incidental graveyard hate, and you get card advantage. So standard, I think this is, card is great. And I also like it, I think, in Commander too, where this is another card that lets you get the sneaky graveyard hate. I, I'm becoming more and more high on cards that just incidentally can hate on graveyards. So Riveteer's Charm, you can play as a fine removal spell, and not great card advantage, but still good enough to play. And then you also can snipe the graveyard when necessary. So Standard and Commander, this this might be one of my favorite charms. Standard, it is my favorite charm of the new cycle. Cards really bad in Commander. Would you play, I'm going to play it? Really? <laughs> I mean, you get rid of the biggest thing. But that's not what you want to get rid of like 99% of the time, right? It's the little dorky combo creatures that you want to get rid of, uh, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that is, I guess it depends on the magic, but that is true. Like, it's nice that you're not getting rid of a random token or something, which is the downside of like a diabolic edict or whatever, yeah. like, which is pretty unplayable in Commander. But you're right. Like, it's not going to get rid of the Kiki Jiki necessarily or whatever, you know, combo creature is going off. And the graveyard mode costs you a card. Like, you don't get like two of these effects, right? Like, you, you just spent a card for graveyard hate. So, uh, and then you're in Jun Colors, which doesn't have a problem drawing cards in Commander. So, I actually wouldn't play this in my Jun decks in Commander. Interesting. Oh, what about standard though? It's got to be good in standard, standard right? Great, but who cares about that? Modern, I don't. I think I take Coligan's <laughs> command. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm yeah. curious what Jun aficionados think about because we do have Jun charm. We do have like random charms, like Rakdos charm that people do play from time to time. But you know, if, if Bogles comes back or something, and everyone's playing Dredge, like maybe, <laughs> right? Ah, uh, so. Anyway, I think those are all of our spoilers for today. Any other uh, thoughts on the new Capenna stuff before we hit up some uh, other topics? All right, well, spoiler season starts officially Thursday. So by the time we have our next podcast, we should have a ton of new Capenna stuff to talk about. So I'm hyped. This out looks really, really sweet. We also have a couple other pieces of card news. Before we get to our other big topic, uh, we have... A new judge promo, Parallel Lives, which is kind of cool. And we also got, I got to ask you about the secret layer drop. We got a April Fool's theme secret layer drop, which is five cards that are essentially reverse printed backwards. They're calling it a left-handed magic cards. But like, it's hard to describe, but the, the mana symbols are on the opposite side on the top and the names on the wrong side and the power and toughness is switched and everything switched. What do you think of the, the April Fool's layer drop this turn and these backwards looking cards? They're okay. I, I like Garrick. So the, Garrick is very aesthetic with like the backwards planeswalker frame. But the other cards are kind of meh. Like Rogak, I, I don't really care for, even though it's my favorite card. Jarl's Messenger just looks weird um, with the, the new art and the framing. So I, I, I like Garrick. The rest of the cards are meh. Would I drop money on this? Probably not. Awkward that like you can't order it. Isn't that weird that... They dropped it on uh, April Fools and you couldn't even get it yeah. like weird, but okay. Yeah, that that part was definitely like especially weird because I, I feel like with these holiday theme layer drops, especially something like April Fools, you got to capitalize on people thinking about 
the day. It's gotta, it's gotta be on that day. Who's gonna buy his April Fool's secret layer drop 11 days after April Fool's? Everyone's moved on to the next thing by then. It's not April Fool's anymore. So uh, the cards themselves kind of hurt my brain, honestly. I, after looking at so many magic cards for so many years, I was surprised how jarring it was to just see these little things reversed, but it's like uh, actively confusing because you're just so used to looking like top right for mana cost or bottom right for power and toughness. So having everything reversed actually really, really threw me off. Oh, you haven't spent years playing Future Sight Tarmogoyf, Seth, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to our other big topic, which is organized play. So the big news of last week, outside of spoilers, is Wizards announced that organized play is coming back. Not just organized play, but paper organized play in pro tours. Uh, so did you guys see this announcement about organized play? I, I'm really curious what your thoughts are. A, a quick TLDR, I guess, is... No actual GPs, but a system that's actually pretty similar to the pre-MPL system where you can qualify for regional championships at your local game store in your local scene. Regionals are going to qualify you for pro tours, actual pro tours, name and everything. They're back. They're all going to be paper. The first one's Pioneer. And then through the pro tours, you can qualify for the million dollar world championship event. All of this being in tabletop. How encouraged are you by by this announcement? Is this kind of what you were hoping for, organized play-wise? This might have been the most positively received news <laughs> from Wizards outside of spoilers in like maybe five years or something. <laughs> like, so people want the return of paper magic and regionals and things like that. And here's part one, right? This is part one. The actual tournaments are coming back. Uh, so I think people will be excited for that. Part two will be, can they do coverage of it and like make Magic Esports a thing again? Uh, that is that is the second part. But the first part of Paper coming back, I think everyone's excited for. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if, you know, years off of organized play has affected the player base in any way. Are people excited to go buy cards and go out and grind and things like that? But I really do like the, the system where it's very easy, right? You You beat up people around you. And if you win that, you go to the next level. You beat up those people. If you win that, you go to the next level. And then eventually you're at the world stage, right? It's very easy to understand. And they also mentioned uh, a path for arena players to feed into this, which they didn't go into much detail, but arena players can still feed into the system. So digital players are still not left out. So overall, I think really exciting for uh, people who want to grind magic, uh, that didn't have a place to do it for the past like two years or so. Yeah, I, I, this is pretty much exactly what I was wanting out of the organized play announcement. Like, Paper Magic being the focus, uh, Wizards announced that Pioneer is going to be the first Pro Tour format. Uh, also, Modern and Standard will be included. You're still going to be able to qualify from Arena and Magic Online, so they aren't left out of the system altogether. Although, Wizards was pretty clear that they have heard the community that tabletop play is important to them and they want tabletop magic. So there was a notable shift away from the esports era. Wizards even changed the name on their Twitter to get rid of magic esports and now it's play magic, I think it's called or something. So I think we have seen the sunsetting of the magic esports era and now we're back to a system that is really understandable and does pretty much what players want. Like if you want to be able to go play competitive magic and qualify for things and become a pro player, you have a pathway to do that that you can 
can easily understand and do at your local game store or do from online. So the only thing I will say that I somewhat dislike about this announcement, I guess there's two two little bits of criticism. Wizards announced that they are definitely covering uh, Worlds and Pro Tours, so guaranteed coverage for those. The other big events are regional championships, so those are kind of like pre-Pro Tours almost that are actually going to look sort of similar to old Pro Tours. So you do the local qualifiers, you make it to regionals. I think they said it's going to be around 300 players uh, will be in the regional championships to qualify for one of the three Pro Tours a year. Those events, no guaranteed coverage. They said it was uh, essentially up to the organizer. Each uh, There's 11 regions that you can qualify from, which uh, all around the world. Uh, and it's going to be up to the regional organizers if they want to do coverage of those events. Fingers crossed we get some. But there's not anything like we had in the past. We had coverage every single weekend. The other thing that's kind of missing from this system is traditional Grand Prix, which... I think is okay and those gaps can be filled. But if you're someone who is hoping for the return of exactly the old system where you go to a GP every weekend and there's coverage of that GP every weekend, that's not exactly going to happen. Although some of the regional uh, qualifier events, the championships, regional championships are going to be very GP like. I know like the European system, they're doing like one big event a month to uh, qualify for the Pro Tours through the regional championships, which are going to be very GP-like. The announcement of the ones in the U.S., I think there's two announced so far that DreamHack are running, sound a lot like uh, Grand Prix with side events. Sure, the main event, you can't just go and play. That's going to be invitation only from people who won local qualifiers, but you're going to be able to go and there's going to be cosplayers, there's going to be side events, there's going to be the whole convention theme. So even though there's not actual GPs, there is some stuff filling those gaps. But I think in general, this is a just a massively, massively positive announcement. So, uh, I mean, hats off to Wizards, I guess. Like this, I think this is pretty much all that we could hope for as far as paper organized play is concerned. Well, the last part is coverage, right? That, that, Do you think just like coverage it, of the Pro Tours is enough? Like, let's say the worst happens and they don't cover the regional events and it's three Pro Tours in Worlds as far as official Watsi coverage, not enough? I think they need to fix coverage i think coverage went downhill when they um made pro tours like far away from set release and also when they released deck lists uh you know like you don't need to watch the pro tour you just read all the deck lists and you're done right so before you actually watch the pro tour there was anticipation there was build up there was trying to figure out what decks people were playing and because it was like the set was new they were actually playing new and innovative decks so I think that is actually more important than the Pro Tour itself, right? Because, you know, how many people play in the Pro Tour? How many people actually grind? Like, it's a very small subset of people. So for those people to play, it's very important to them. But for all of us, uh, we just watch it, right? And when we watch it, it needs to be entertaining. So they need to fix coverage as part of this as well. Um, otherwise, it'll just be some, like, in-group playing, you know, organized play, right? Most of us don't play that, right? But we do watch so if they can fix coverage, I think that'll bring back kind of the glory days of competitive magic. Yeah. And I'm pretty hopeful. The last bit of coverage we saw at Wizards, I was really impressed with. Uh, the last set championship, I think it was. So I think that maybe they're heading in a really positive direction. And I am just super excited to watch Paper Magic. I've been doing like some of those shorts on the YouTube channel of like great magic moments like Nassif and the Ignite Memories and things like that. Tabbing for Cruel Ultimatum. 
And it's just reminded me like how many amazing things in Magic's history can't happen in digital play. You really got to be tabletop and have these two players, you know, face to face to see some of those moments. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm doubly excited because Pioneer's the first supported format. Like the first Pro Tour is going to be Pioneer. And I've been on the Pioneer train for like six months now, just like uh, trying to explain to everyone how great this format is. So I'm really excited to see it getting some love because it's going to give people a reason to play the format. Like there wasn't really a reason to play Pioneer or really Paper Magic on a, from a competitive perspective at all from the average player's perspective. But now you actually have a system where you can go to your LGS and like strive and play and get better and actually attain something like the dream is back alive of actually becoming a pro magic player for the first time in a while. Like was it 2018 when we saw the big shift 2019. So it's been three or four years that that just wasn't a realistic dream. So I don't know. Uh, it feels like all is right in the world. I definitely agree there could still be improvements. Coverage needs to improve. I hope there's more coverage. One thing I've realized hearing people talk about this announcement is how for a lot of people, GPs and coverage or something similar to GPs and coverage is really important because for a lot of people, their pro tour is the dream of getting a feature match. Like Wizards is streaming this event. I go to a GP and I get a little lucky and I go five and oh, and Wizards puts me on camera for a lot of people that that's that's the dream. You maybe don't have the time or the desire to grind infinitely to try to make it to Worlds or the Pro Tour, but anyone can go to a GP and have, you know, a hot run and win a few matches and end up on coverage with, you know, thousands of people watching them. So hopefully we see some coverage for like the regional events and so forth as well. I think that would be really helpful and keep that aspect of the dream. But really, I'm used to Wizards giving us bad news, and this is overwhelmingly good news i think cram you got any uh op thoughts yeah uh i i uh I, i'm pretty excited to see what uh what comes of all of this i i'm not sure yet because i didn't fully get to see, like look at every bit of the like the organized play announcement but i i do from what i gathered from like the tidbits that i saw i i mean it it seems like they just essentially rolled everything back Right. Like it, it just seems like it, it was where competitive play was not that long ago, except for that GPs are replaced. Right. Pretty much. Right? Yeah, that, it's that, very, very similar to the old system. Right. It, it, it's very straightforward. There, every, everything that you need is all there. Right. It's not like super convoluted or anything like that. So, um, this could be cool. I, I don't know if this means that, yeah, like coverage is back or, or any of that. Um, but I, at least from a, like, from a very, like, just a, the base competitive level, it looks like it could be good. Yeah. Oh, one thing I don't think you mentioned was Hall of Fame invites are back, sort of. Is that right, Seth? They are. So they're bringing back Hall of Fame invites for one Pro Tour season. So every season, which I think is a year essentially, three Pro Tours and then Worlds. So Hall of Fame members can choose one of those Pro Tours uh, a year to automatically qualify for, which means we might get to see Johnny Magic and Kai and all these old timers who during the esports era sort of like fell away from the scene essentially i think we're gonna see those people again how big of a deal is that richard like how much do you think it matters that the 2022 generation of magic players get to see some of these goats playing magic i mean if i heard that john finkel was playing paulo in the top eight i would drop everything and watch so yes right and i think the story of john finkel is hilarious i don't know what he's actually like but i imagine 
some guy that works like a real job and then he's just like, okay, I'll go play a pro tour with no prep, comes on and crushes everyone. And then like, that's, that's my, that's my persona, you know, my imagination of what happens and I love it and I watch him and I, I root for him and I don't know how good he actually is or how much time he actually plays nowadays, but it's a reason to watch, right? And all they need to do is give me a reason to watch. And I think Johnny Magic is that I, I i don't know like they haven't been able to replace that i don't know why maybe it's just boomer boomer memories right but it's just give me a reason to watch right it, like you can't always have the best standard you can't always have the best uh you know new breakout decks but you can always have like fan favorites right you can always build storylines on players and that's something i think wizards doesn't really tap into i know they tried with mpl and things like that but they kind of failed but we do have one success story, and that's John Finkel, right? Or, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to see Brian Kibler play or something like that, right? Like, you know, it's, it's cool, right, to see some of these old players that don't put as much time into Magic be able to come back because they are that good. So the, the pro story, I think, the pro storyline is a strong one, and hopefully they tap into that with this iteration of the Pro Tour. Yeah, and I, I hope they do as well, and I think they will. And I think that we're going to see this be... A pretty big success compared to where we were before. Like when the first Pro Tour fires up, uh, I guess it's the beginning of 2023. Qualifiers are starting like June or July. So that part of the process is happening soon. But the first Pro Tour beginning of next year, I'm expecting that we're going to see way more people watching this on Twitch than we have been. I think the last set championship was like 10,000 ish, maybe got to 12. I would not be at least bit surprised if this at least doubles that. And we're seeing, you know, 20, 30, if we get lucky, maybe 40,000 people watching Magic again. So I have really, really high hopes that this is going to be good for players and hopefully good for Wizards, too. You're ready. Put all your snarky glare comments on on, on standby, <laughs> you know, like, oh, Paper Magic's back. I can't read any of the cards. Wizards, please. <laughs> I, uh, I think, huh. did, did you mention that the fact that this is, like got to do with dream hack that's pretty big so we didn't get into this too much so the way the system set up is there's 11 regions around the world each region has its own to that is in charge of qualifiers in that region they get to choose when the events are scheduled how it works and then wizards runs the pro tours in the u.s the to kind of caught me by surprise because i was expecting star city or pastimes or channel fireball one of the old-time magic crews it's dream hacks which isn't really known for magic, but is like a really big esports organizer, right, Krim? I don't know right. a ton of details. Is that good news, you think, as a magic player? Like, should we be hyped that DreamHack is running these events? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because, I mean, I, I never really got to go to a, a DreamHack, like, and compete, except for like, it was essentially like the, the way to compete with Hearthstone, right? Um, like to go do competitive things on, and, and I can't wait to see what they do with magic. So, uh yeah, all around that's just that it's just a cool thing to see them uh working with magic. They've held big magic uh, tournaments we, in the past. This is not the first time like Dreamhack has right, collaborated right. with magic. So uh yeah, but it is surprising that it's Dreamhack and not kind of one of the long-standing magic TOs, but you know, it's exciting, right? What can they do? More eyeballs, more other people from other games, you know, getting to take a look at magic and playing. Yeah, we might have to try to go. Like, I think the closest thing we have to a Grand Prix right now is uh, going to be the regional championships. Maybe, maybe we'll have to see as we get closer to the end of the year. I think they have what, Atlanta in November, and I believe there's 
I think there's a Texas one, Dallas, in June. So I don't know. It'll be fun to see if those are big events. It, it might be fun to try to make it out to one of those because they're going to do the whole thing. Artist alleys and command zones and open events, like everything going on on top of like all the DreamHack stuff. So it would probably be really fun to go and check one of those out. So I'm hoping to make it to at least one of them. Anyway, any other thoughts on organized play stuff before we hit up a couple of fish mail? All right, Richard. Fishmail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGoldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Dockhouse0414. For standard, why do you think we see mostly green-white enchantments instead of green-black? With access to cards like Binding of the Old Gods, Dockside, uh, Tatsunari, Gloom Shrieker. Why not GB? In, so you in definitely standard. Could, in, in standard? So you could build green-black. Yeah, in standard. So you could definitely build green black enchantments in standard. I think what you're missing is a couple of really strong pieces. Uh, Jukai Naturalist is probably the biggest push into white, uh, just giving you that ramp and a decent body. And then we see a lot of the Enchantress stacks are also going with the Rune plan, which makes Runeforge Champion, especially combined with Naturalist, really strong. It gives you those big combo turns. Plus, you got like you know, Machiko's Reign of Truth, Hallowed yeah. Haunting, Showdown of the Scalds. So I think there's a bunch of reasons that white's just a little bit better. But if you like the idea of Golgari enchantments, I think you could certainly build like a sweet Binding the Old Gods, uh, Skeletal Swarming, or whatever that card is. Like, throw all those things together, and you could build a really fun deck, but it's probably a little bit worse than Green-White from a competitive perspective, I think. All right, Inferno Man 64. With the influx of more full art basic lands, should all MTG basic lands from now on just be full art? No. I think, if anything, we have too many full art basic lands. Like, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about full art basic lands. If every land is a full art land, then they're just the normal lands, and they're not special at all anymore. And then what's going to be special is printing one that's not full art. So I think that a mixture of all different kinds of lands is, which is, seems to be what Wizards is doing, is the best way to go about it. But I, I don't want all my lands to be full art. I'd rather see them experiment with more different borders and different styles and so forth, like uh, like they have been the last year or two. I want future site lands, like like the old Ooh. future site borders, but like kind of yeah, in a current date. And more white border lands. Oh God, of yes, please, <laughs> white bordered. You know we don't have that yet. White bordered full art lands. Give me that revised, faded. Yeah, print. yeah, yeah. Um, Give it that wear, but in full art. I, I would take like a full art, faded, <laughs> white bordered card, just like big yeah. styles, old tap symbol. Uh, but oh, I, yeah. I, I think the point remains, right? Like, there's so many full art basics now that no one cares. And you know, there, there was a time where Watsi could sell a set by adding full art lands to it. That time is long gone, and now they that they was have to keep Zendikar, up right? I, that that was Zendikar, right? That was Zendikar the was the original. Art? I remember the second set, the return. Was it the return? The the second set where they Battle. added full arts again. It also yeah, worked, yeah. and then that was the last time I think. I mean, uh, I I really love the Kamigawa lands, so I guess it depends on how you define full art lands. Like, yeah. I think the Kamigawa lands were full art, but they were also had a twist to them. They, you know, had the small mana symbol and the art was unique. So 
So I think more stuff like that is really, really good. But I just I want more unique basic lands. I don't really care if it's full art or partial art or whatever. I just want different things. Uh, that, that's all I, I really care about. And I think we've seen a ton of that. And sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't like it. Like the black and white lands are not really my jam. The ones we got in the new Innistrad. But I'm still glad they made them because some people are going to really like them. And the more different styles of art we have on basic lands and different border styles, I think the, the better, really. I, left I facing lands coming up yeah <laughs> paper, alchemy lands i got it <laughs> oh my god the technology is there <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna have to buff or nerf uh, basic lands. sorry guys <laughs> uh, but yeah i i think you guys said like we, we've had a lot like the the neon dynasty lands the theros uh the theros what do you call it like giant mana symbol lands so that they are full art but they come with like a unique twist it's not just generic art anymore but a, a unique theme or twist so i think we'll keep seeing that and like seth said if you don't like one just get the get the next one from the next set right and that's perfect right you don't have to get all cards from all sets you can just choose which ones you like all right so that's all the time we have for fish meal this week thank you to everyone who sent in questions if you have future questions send them to at goldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 375 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Crimp, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about Nuka Pena spoilers and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.